1: Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrell. Chris will be back later in the week, but I'm joined by another Chris. In fact, uh, Chris Markey, State Rep from Dartmouth. Hey, Chris, how are you?
2: Good, Marcus. How are you?
1: Good. So, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about Ash Street, and then we're going to talk about the Title V stuff. But first, you know, we talked a little bit earlier uh, on the record about – Sheriff Harrow's proposal to relocate the facilities to your, uh, you know, to be fully in your district in, in, in Dartmouth, uh, and uh, well, uh, and um, close the Ash Street facility. And you are broadly supportive of that measure.
2: Yes, I think I think it makes sense. I think if you look at uh, kind of how things have developed over the last decade in relation to some criminal justice reform we've done up in yeah. the state house, um, I think you're seeing results as a result of that um there was pretty thoughtful stuff that uh we decide we've kind of invested in in addition to that i think some of the uh, supreme court decisions of the commonwealth the sjc has made decisions on bail that have affected the number of people who are held on bail now yeah um, so i think sentencing and technology have all uh kind of changed a bit in the last decade uh, a lot of the pretrial would would have been pretrial detentions in the 90s yeah. are now people who are held on GPS. So the pretrial detentions are less um, as a whole. And uh, even the sentencing, uh, they're seeing a lot more recovery programs that are available that are uh, responsive to a lot of the people. As well as, um, again, GPS as conditions of probation, sure. keeping people out of particular areas, away from particular individuals. And I think overall, um, that's why you see so many less people in jail in at the county level.
1: And, and you're you're uh, for people who don't know your background. You, you worked in the DA's office, and you were uh, you, you're still when you're not in Beacon Hill. You, you you do criminal defense work, so you have a pretty on-the-ground perspective uh, of of all of this going on, right?
2: Yeah, I think I, I think I have probably one of the better perspectives. Not to brag or anything, but I, <laughs> as I've said to someone else, I think I'm pretty much like a coach's kid. Uh From the basketball days of my dad was a judge i 've been around the courts right i 've heard conversations you pick it up just organically and um since I was you know fifteen years old, so um you pick up what people 's thought processes are and see how things develop uh, and you 're aware of a lot of other things that are uh, subtle to some well, to me um but much more complex to others and I just think that it it uh it's something that i 'm interested in. So I read a lot about it. I look into it, and I find alternatives and things like that. So, it's you know maybe it's nerdy of me, but I'm I'm kind of into it and enjoy uh, the concepts that have been proposed and how things have uh, developed.
1: Well, we're certainly looking forward to seeing how that unfolds. Uh, you know, going forward uh, with uh, you know what's going to happen in the legislature. I understand that's probably going to take. Uh, take some time uh, to to get off the ground, but um, you know this conversation has started. So, Chris, um, you were just at a uh, a, t- uh, a public hearing at UMass Dartmouth uh, regarding these Title V regulations um, that's really impacting your district in Dartmouth and in a lot of parts of southeastern Massachusetts, including all of Cape Cod. Uh, for people who don't know, can you just give a broad interview, uh, a broad overview of of these new regulations and how they could impact people?
2: first. Sure, sure. So obviously the people in New Bedford really don't know what septics are because they've never had to deal with it. Yeah. But septics are, uh, in rural and suburban areas, are self-contained um, wastewater treatment plants, essentially. Yeah. It's just, uh, when you flush the toilet, it goes into a particular area on your property, and uh, every year or two, got to get it uh, pumped out. Um, and so the process is that obviously the the remnants of that sludge sits. It goes through the land and uh, the leachae, as they call it, and it ends up into the water supply. Because again, uh, New Be- you know, people in New Bedford might not necessarily know, but because they have water, uh, many people have wells. So that's one thing that happens. It goes into a water system that's there, but that water system ends up in Buzzards Bay uh, through the estuaries along uh, several different rivers from. Uh, actually, probably from the Palmer River in Re- Prohobis, all the way down to uh in Wareham. Uh, but in between, there's the Slocum River in New Bed- and Dartmouth, uh, the East Branch of the Westport River. And so, there's out of that leachate is nitrogen. And when the nitrogen is uh, exposed, when there's excess nitrogen, it changes the environment and the growth of the the. Uh, around the marshlands and other things that affect uh, really the, the whole ecology of the, the water. And uh, as a result of that, it's, it's not a good thing to have too much nitrogen. So, so um, uh, approximately about 17% of the nitrogen that's discharged into the estuaries comes from residential septic tanks. And there's other resource, there's other resources of the nitrogen. One is um, just natural uh, decomposition of of, of uh, wood, leaves, dirt, and everything along the the estuaries, so along these rivers, when branches fall and other things that they um, the the uh, decomposition of those ends up creating nitrogen and then going along into the the estuaries. Uh, there's also commercial um, composting, and that composting uh, has an effect as well on the uh, the nitrogen discharges along the estuaries. So the really the, the things that we can control as humans is the the obviously the septic tanks, and then also the composting. The composting comes with a different problem because it's. Considered farming under our laws, and in, in most towns along the south coast, farming is as of right. Mm-hmm. So you're composting um, things that you have a right to do. So who's in charge of that, and how, how is the composting going? Is a, is a real concern for a lot of people because there's larger commercial areas in Dartmouth, particularly Westport. Um, where people are making money by composting. And DEP is looking for more composting because we don't have a lot of landfills. And uh, as a result of not having a lot of landfills, they're trying to find creative ways to get rid of solid waste. And composting is a way that they see it as being productive. So it's, it's a whole variety of pressures on DEP to try to solve this nitrogen problem. And, um, what I've discovered is I think that the proposal is something that I don't think is, uh, really a solution to the problem, um, that what we ultimately want is clean, cleaner water. Um, but we do need to find a solution, but this one is just not really viable for the towns to support and or the individual residents.
1: So um we're speaking with Chris Markey he's a state rep from Dartmouth uh the proposals are basically to uh it's 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 kind of a hobson's choice you can either uh, make uh, each individual residential homeowner uh, update their septic system to include some sort of nitrogen uh, technology or uh, have a broader, uh, uh, I guess, uh, permitting agreement with the town that would uh, incur a significant amount of capital. Is that a correct overview of it?
2: Yeah. I mean, I mean, the, the, the reason why this is really coming about is, is DEP is being sued by the, the Conservation Law Foundation. Uh, on the cape and they've basically stayed those proceedings for the purposes of setting up a regulation they're trying to set up this regulation with the goal that they could eliminate the lawsuit the problem is is you know it may eliminate a lawsuit for dep in 2023 but um it could create a lot of leverage for um what I would consider like unreasonable environmental concerns Mm -hmm. um, onto towns that can't afford anything. And the leverage would be more with the plaintiff rather than the defendant town in 2032 or 2030, where um, I think if this proposal were to go through um, would cause lots of problems for towns to be able to abide by the watershed permit over the time, over that long period of time and set themselves up for a lawsuit, in which I just don't think they can afford to fight.
1: So we're speaking with Chris Markey, he's a state rep from Dartmouth. Um, so you, uh, your legislative colleague, uh, Senator Montigny, who represents Dartmouth as part of his district, had uh, filed some legislation um, that kinda, I guess, put DEP in check, and I, my, my understanding of the legislation is that um, it says any 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 of this action by DEP has to come out of their pocket and not the pockets of the town or the residential homeowners. Um, are you familiar with this legislation? And are you, if you are, are you broadly supportive or not supportive of that legislation?
2: No, I'm, I actually, Mark and I spoke this evening and we talked a lot, a, lot, a bit about it. I, I, I'm i co-sponsoring with it with him. Okay. Um, I told him that this afternoon and then we followed up this evening and had a longer discussion um it's just because we're still early on in the filing process of this stuff my name will probably be on it tomorrow at some point sure um or tonight i don't know if it's it gets on tonight i don't know how they do it yeah technology wise but yeah. yeah i'm supportive of it i think that it, it it's a i think most important is it gives us a safety valve for uh if this regulation goes through um that it is a funded mandate by the state and not to the citizens or to the towns that can clearly not afford it. I mean, it's 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 so obvious to the people that you, the, the citizens can't afford it and the towns clearly can't afford it. So we've got to find a, a mechanism to, that uh, allows us to afford um, the ability to do these things.
1: Speaking with uh, State Rep. Mark Montigny. Uh, I mean, sorry, State Rep. Chris Markey from Dartmouth. You were talking with Mark Montigny, State Rep. Chris Markey from uh, from, from Dartmouth. So there were public. There have been some public forums on this. There was. Uh, one in Lakeville, one in the Cape. Uh, I know Dar- the town of Dartmouth had had some uh, hearings on it as well. I've had I've had Chris Michaud, who's the director of public health, he called this a corrupted process um, in the New Bedford Light recently. But um, what has been your, uh, you know, when you've gone to these meetings, what are some of the things you've been hearing? What's the general tenor of the people who are attending?
2: Obviously there's deep concern. I mean, there's real concern. I actually... You know, uh, go to the bakery every morning, and someone will say something about it. Uh, I go to a kids' game. I go to anything. Uh, someone is mentioning, "Hey, uh, you know, I appreciate what you're doing on this Title Five stuff." Um, wow. I try to explain to them, "Hey, listen, the people who are trying to put these regulations together aren't bad people. They're not trying to, you know, stick it to any one individual. They're under incredible pressure from one side." And they're trying to relieve that pressure. Unfortunately, the, the solution that they've come up with, at least at this point, is releasing it all and putting the pressure onto towns and or the individual where I just don't it's just not viable uh, for that to occur.
1: Have you spoken with any of your legislative colleagues in um, in other areas like Cape Cod and and, and seeing how they, f- they feel about this? Are they looking to combat this along with you and Senator Montigny?
2: I have uh, communicated with uh, uh, reps from Falmouth and from Plymouth, um, as well as the South Coast. You know, Bill and uh, Strauss and Paul Schmidt are heavily involved in it. Uh, Chris Hendricks as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have it. In, and actually, I joked with Tony tonight. I go, I don't even think you even know what a septic is, Tony, because <laughs> right. his entire district is not in really have all these things. Um, and it's not a concern, and we were chuckling about that. Uh, but yeah, I think Tony knows the problems and would obviously be supportive of what we're trying to do.
1: So, um, so, so there, there, there could be some because you're going to need if, if you know, you can co-sponsor this legislation. I imagine you're going to try to get other co-sponsors as well. But there's going to probably be need to be a coalition on Beacon Hill in order to get that passed. And you're saying is that is that coalition look like it's been forming? Has there been any conversations with leadership yet? Um.
2: There haven't been, actually, I did uh, let the speaker's office know about this issue and a couple of other local issues that, just to keep that on their radar for the next session, I did that in November, um, just so that they have a sense of when they're evaluating their priorities for the year, that they know that this is in the back of their mind. So, um, as far as kind of, you know, their knowledge of it, the specifics of it, and the degree of it, I don't think they have that, but... They're aware of the issue, um, and I think they will be responsive. They're very good about that, um, understanding that these local issues that have a great impact are really essential to uh, all the reps and everyone. Uh, every one of the reps has one of these issues going on in their town. Maybe not Title Five, but it might be, you know, the acquisition of a particular property, or it might be some education issue or a school thing. That they're all. Uh, very aware of what our local needs are, and making sure they're supportive of them.
1: Is there a timetable for when a decision is going to be made uh, on these uh, on these regulations?
2: Um, I think the close the close of the month. I think it's January 30th is the last day for um, the written comments by the public. Okay, and then from there, uh, I think they have 60 days or 45 days to come back. So I would think it would, uh, in the spring at some point you'll see their decision.
1: And public comment uh, can be submitted, uh, so until January 30th people can email uh, DEP with the, yeah, I think, with, with the tagline, Title V uh, septic, uh, something like that, that. It's online, the, the specific tagline you got to give. But you can let yes. the DEP know how concerned you are uh, about this whole thing.
2: Yes. I mean, the, the thing about it is, is this the cost of it is anywhere between fifteen and forty thousand dollars. It could be more, um, mm-hmm. but the other side of it is there may be technology that's developed uh, throughout the world that can be more efficient and way less costly to be able to do this and I think that that 's the thing is I think what would be incredibly frustrating for our community would be okay, I'm going to invest $30,000 into a new septic that fits really well. In a year and a half, there's a a new thing that will cost me $1,500. Right.
1: Um,
2: That would be incredibly frustrating. And I think that's what we need to look at is what other technologies are there that are able to do this. I think people would be willing to put, you know, spend $1,500 every 10 years if they're homeowners to get to a a cleaner septic and all of that. That's $150 a year. Right. Uh, over the ten years, so if there's things that could be done that we're going to look at, um, I know that I have some conversations scheduled to try to find those new technologies around the world well, to, to talk to people.
1: Well, so what what what, what uh, the public health director Misha had, had said to me here uh, on the air was that basically this this technology hasn't even really been. Conceptualized yet in terms of like patented here in Massachusetts, it's it's kind of abstract. Is that your is that your understanding of it?
2: Well, if you think about it, is it's, it's that saying that you have to have the most uh, advanced you know septic tank or septic system. Well, it changes all the time. It's yeah. kind of like getting an update on your your cell phone, right? Every eight months you get this message on your cell phone that says, "Oh, we need to we're going to update your phone tonight." Um, you just assume it's all going to go forward and it's going to be fine. I mean, how do you do that when you have septic?s That you're investing all this money. In? How are you going to be responsible for getting the most up to date technology for it to be? Um, excuse me, uh, to to be able to work. So, I think there's going to be. I think if we really look into it, there will be better and cheaper technology that can accomplish the same goals. So, uh, in the same time frame so within
1: that, the next term. that was kind of my my last question on this unless unless there's any anything else you want to add is that you know they're saying this is a problem that needs to be addressed there's lawsuits from environmental groups um, putting putting the DEP to task on it and uh, so the solution in in your uh, you know to your mind is basically to try to find uh, more advanced and cost effective uh, technology that's available to make this uh, tenable.
2: Exactly. Okay. That's exactly it. So, State
1: Rep. Chris Markey uh, from Dartmouth. Um, before I let you go, is there anything else you want to uh, leave the audience with on this matter?
2: No, not not necessarily on that one. But I do. I would say that on the the, the idea of the Ash Street facility, I think it's a great it's a great move. Um, I'd really be interested. Um, the first thing I did was figure out who owns the a Street facility and the property there, because I think that could be another... I've been preaching it for the last year or so, is uh, home ownership and having the ability to get people to own a home. Um, and uh, that's a good piece of land in, in the New Bedford area where uh, I'd love to see the, the ability to have real home ownership uh, in the, on that block. Um, I know it's a historic building and some other things, but it's going to protect... I mean, this this idea that Sheriff Haru has uh, is going to create a regional lockup uh, in Dartmouth, Um, and that's going to make it easier for the New Bedford police, the Dartmouth police, and North Attleboro, uh, who take advantage of it now. Um, It's going to make it a more professional facility, a better facility. I've been in the lockup in that area on Ash Street. It's, uh, quite frankly, disgusting, the weekend lockup um so i think if you can we can invest a little bit of money it's a better place safer place and um you know we could maybe utilize that land in a in a better way than uh what we do now
1: so you're saying if if you're able to move forward on this you, you would you would be okay with with um you know leveling that building uh in service of a public good like housing and home ownership
2: Yeah, definitely. I would want home ownership. I I mean, I'm not, I'm not in for another, um, more rental properties. I'm in for people being able to buy a home where they can create some equity and, uh, or condos even. Um, but we got to start to find ways to make people who are in rental properties to buy, start buying some property and creating equity so that they can, um, have some begin to have wealth and, um, they're not going to be the wealthiest people in the world, but I think it's important to create some wealth. And I think home ownership is almost everyone in America's single greatest asset. Um, so if we can do that, um, we'll accomplish some great things with that 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 idea.
1: Uh, one last thing on that is 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 there? Um, so you know, Heros, Sheriff Haro said today he expects it to be like a three to five year. Um, sort of project as someone who's going to obviously be you know trying to secure the funding on beacon hill if you know there's this is a a doable plan um uh, is that typically the timetable you'd see on on sort of getting this off the ground
2: i'd love to see it earlier than that Mm -hmm. i mean I, i think it's a good idea i think it's it it makes a lot of sense um as long as the the safety of the inmates and the safety of the correctional officers is going to be there um I think it makes a lot of sense. It's cost savings for the sheriff's department. They're not having to heat another place. They're not having to yeah. put lights on in another place. They're mm-hmm. not going to have to transport food um, in their meals uh, three times a day. Yeah. Um, all of those things are going to be uh, cost-effective ways in which they can handle um, the maintaining the prisoners. Um, and again, I think the, you're going to see the population continuously go down. The technology that we have now allows for people to be held accountable still um, without necessarily going to jail. Home confinement, the GPS. I I think it's, a, you know, again, these are people who have not committed the worst crimes in the world. Right. Um, That's true. So they're only, it's county sentences. It's not state prison. So um, I think it's a good, it would be a good move. Uh, It makes sense. And I think you can utilize that land in a very productive way. Um, which can address some of the issues uh, regarding housing in Greater New Bedford.
1: State Rep. Chris Markey, I appreciate you joining me today. Looking forward to talking with you more in the future as all these things uh, develop.
2: Yeah, sure. Anytime, Marcus.
1: Thank you. Oops! (laughs) Oops! <laughs> I always do that. I always cut people off. I, I, sorry about that, Chris, um, but I appreciate Chris joining us. Uh, Chris Markey, state rep from Dartmouth, uh, giving us an update on the Title V, um, the ongoing Title V discussion and uh, his position on the Ash Street Jail, um, which I think is very valuable, not just as someone who represents New Bedford and Dartmouth in the in the house, you know, the Bristol County communities, but as someone with a, a pretty extensive background in criminal law and criminal policy being a uh, criminal defense defense attorney and, and being a uh, former assistant district attorney. And, you know, like he said, his, his father, um, you know, aside from being mayor for New Bedford was a judge. So uh, definitely someone with a, with a, a long history um, in, in in dealing with those matters. So a really important perspective. We thank uh, uh, Chris, Chris Markey, state rep from Dartmouth, from coming on. All right, is how you can join me this evening. I got to take a break. I see some calls online. I'll take I'll get to them when I get back. This is South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. 1420 WB um, 508-990-60500. We see some calls online. We're going to get to them in a minute. Taking your message on the app chat, both on the Title V issue and uh, the Astrid Jail, uh, proposed Astrid Jail closure. Um, Rep. Chris Markey, uh, who, you know, is uh, um, you a know, longstanding professional in the field of, of, of criminal justice being a a former prosecutor and a current defense attorney. And, you know, the son of a judge, a brother of another brother of a a couple other attorneys. Um, And uh, uh, so definitely appreciate his, um, uh, his his input on that. And it's, you know, he's very supportive of this, uh, of this closure. Um, App chat from Bob from New Bedford saying, hero has to close it. People who gave him money are demanding it. I don't, again. I don't think he operates that way. You haven't seen anybody that's you know supported him being hired by him, right? Uh, like any of his campaign infrastructure, they haven't hired them. He hasn't. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a favor. He's there for a six-year term too. It's not like he needs the money or needs to fundraise at this juncture. Wasn't even like all that committed to doing more than one term. Uh, he's been pretty steadfastly like I said, noncommittal up until this point. And even now he's like, Hey, I just need the money. Um, He's been pretty steadfastly noncommittal on closing ashtray. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, being a mayor of a city or being a municipal elected official and even being a a legislature too, but just being on the local level of politics, you have to be more technocratic than, you know, than idealistic. Obviously there were some, very, you know, major ideological battles between Hodgson and Herod during the campaign. And they're, you know, in terms of their politics, they're pretty different. But there's a practical element I think he has as being a mayor of a city where you have to be a lot more technocratic. And you see a lot of mayors, John Mitchell, when I had Kim Driscoll on, you, know, you see a lot of mayors and, and, and municipal elected officials. Not talk in you know those types of terms. So I think you know he was concerned about the practical element, but then he had conceptualized an idea where he could he could close it and make operations better and make services to the inmates better, and that's the solution. Um I think it's kind of blinkered uh, to 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 say. Oh, there's people that help them get elected, and they're demanding it. I, I, I just don't. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't buy that that line of reasoning. But 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. Good evening.
3: Yes. Good evening, there, Mark. Hey, what's up, Big Al? Hey, how many floors are in that uh, jail? <laughs> uh,
1: I'm just trying to do it by memory. Four to five, maybe. Um, if you're counting the floor that you're on, uh, I would probably say like four to five floors, something like that, or maybe three to four.
3: All right. Well, uh, I got a, I got a, a perfect uh, suggestion, but sure. it would have that place would have to get cleaned out before my idea can be put into mm-hmm. into the, in the, in the gear. Yeah. One, the rodent problem. You would have to have a pest control. Company go in there and clean it, clean that right out totally. Mm-hmm. Number one, of course. Number number two, modernize the bedding in the in that in that building. Yeah. And the reason why I say that, turn it into a homeless shelter.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the things is that. Um, I mean, a homeless shelter. I guess just from like that standpoint would be more preferable because it's more, I guess, a bit more voluntary than being committed there, and you'd have a lot more freedom in terms of moving around, but there's... Exactly. There's still a lot of, like, all those doors have to open at once and all of that. It, It could, I mean, it could work. I just think the whole, kind of the whole point is that they, it's not ideal for habitation, but I guess if you,
3: you
1: know, you'd have to put a lot of money into
0: that, for sure.
3: Well, the thing is, I would be all in favor of that, and uh like I heard uh the description of the heating system have that looked at as well
0: mm-hmm.
3: and that way the people the homeless people, will be comfortable, yeah, in that building. you follow what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think probably there's probably a situation in which the bedding at, at any house of correction everywhere should be better, but yeah, for for that purpose for sure. But
3: anyway, I just figured I'd uh, run that by you.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I I think there's there's a lot of good ideas on how to to uh reuse that building for a public good. And uh if they can make it, you know, habitable, um uh in that regard, it's it's something that's on the table for sure.
3: Yeah, cause, uh like I heard on the radio, they got mice in there, they got rats running around now that's not good yeah to yeah so that that problem's problem gotta be addressed
1: I hear you i agree
3: and it, uh I tell you uh I would be leery if i I myself have never been in the jail, so it's good but, uh I want to tell you, I don't have no reason to be. Not yet. <laughs> no, yeah. and I'm not going to. That's good. Let me put it this way. Years ago, back in the 70s, Marcus, it would be fair to say, and let we'll the record reflect without prejudice, that that radio station, WBSM, we had me of any wrongdoing, because <laughs> oh, yeah. the radio station actually played a major part in my alibi. Oh. Back in the day, when you called the radio station, you had a missing cat or a dog. You could mention, about, talk about it on the radio. Yeah. And the, per- the owner of the animal would give out their number. Well, it turns out I was looking for a black dog that was sickly. Mm-hmm. And I want to tell you, I I went on a bicycle looking for that dog. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the scary part of this. There's a, a person that can pass for my twin, my evil twin, may I add.
1: Mm-hmm. Everybody's got an evil twin.
3: And I'm going to tell you this evil twin stole a car, an old Chevy Nova, and made the car a submarine. And allegedly, my fingerprints were on the trunk lid of that car. My God! However, however, I cleared myself of that real quick with WBSM. That's good. I'm glad
1: the station could have played a role in your uh, in your exoneration.
3: Oh yeah, it sure did. As a matter of fact, there was a cop, a Cape Verdean cop, which is now dead, and I want to leave that at that. But he himself wanted to not only take me in, but arrest me for the auto theft. That would be considered Grand Theft Auto. And I believe that would be a serious charge on a person's name. And right. uh, I don't think so. And fur- furthermore, found out afterward that the vehicle in question was hot-wired. So I don't know the first thing how to hot-wire a vehicle, and I wouldn't do it in the first place. Plus, it had a high-performance 350 motor under the hood, and it was totally destroyed right. with salt water.
4: Yeah.
1: Well, Big Al, I appreciate you calling. I appreciate the story. Um, I will talk to you soon. Thank you.
3: Yes, and you take care of yourself and keep up the great work.
0: Thanks, Al. Appreciate it.
3: You're welcome. 508
1: 996 500 take another break. I'll be right back.
0: 1420 WBSM can now be heard on 995 FM. Would you like to save? A- WBSM isn't just a broadcast, it's also a podcast. Get all of our podcasts at WBSM.com, the WBSM app, or just search WBSM on your favorite podcast provider.
1: Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus Farrow, 508-996-0500. Good
4: evening. Hi, Marcus. How are we doing? What's going on? Well, I've been listening to your program, and uh, again, I think it's uh, great that you guys broke the uh, the, the story. I couldn't uh, believe it. (laughs) (laughs) About uh, the... uh, The the shutting of the Ash Street uh, facility, whether you you believe it should be shut or not, but it's great that you get that story. Thank you. Uh, It's great that you had on tonight, Chris Markey, too, because I'll still say it again. If he chose someday to move into the city of New Bedford, I think that's a good possibility he could be mayor of the city if he chose to go in that direction. Uh, I thought
1: about asking him uh, 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 tongue-in-cheek. No, no
4: tongue-in-cheek. Echoes of his dad. Uh, To me, uh, talking about possibly having some homes there in the, the, the spot of the uh, of the uh, prison I think is a great idea. It would make uh, a, a bigger big tax space and maybe you couldn't put uh, humongous homes in there, but uh, some small cottages or something to make it look more uh, uh, livable and uh, I think that's a great idea. But I want to yeah. go on to something else. Sure. Let's not take our eye off the ball. While I had you on and I was listening to this here, I had on the you New know, Bedford City Council Right? Oh boy! And it, and it sounded like an act of contrition okay? <laughs> uh, by the counselors that chose to spoke uh, to speak. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, everybody uh, was saying that what they were trying to do was to, uh, you know, uh, raise the salaries of these people and make them competitive with the. Uh, Uh, The animal control officer, say, in Fay Haven, I don't know what you're paying him in Fay Haven, Marcus, but, you know. uh, But it was all kinds of contrition. Uh, But I don't think it should stop there. This morning on the uh, Tim show there, uh, there was a gentleman that came on that said, hey, uh, why do we have to stop at 25? Uh, Didn't like Mm -hmm. the idea of the mayor signing it, holding his nose and staying with 25, but uh, if you're going to clean it out, clean it out good is what he said. And uh, I don't know if once you sign it, you'll be able to go back and go a little further. Uh, but a raise should be a raise, and not a, not a, a whole uh, tax payment. The,
1: the The mayor The mayor has said he wants to he needs to sign it, but he's got to. He wants to address those twenty five percent salary bumps. And yeah, bring I know them what the mayor in.
4: said, and you know I I think that's a, a noble idea. But this gentleman was saying like that they you know, don't lock yourself into something, you know, Mm -hmm. and then you can't change it because you signed it. So I don't know. I don't know the, you know, the particulars of it and everything like that. But, uh, as for you guys, uh, don't take your eye off the ball. That's the big. Oh no, story, I'm not you
1: know? going. Oh, I'm am not, not going to. I mean, I I'd, I'd hope you know. I know Mayor Mitchell's at the conference and mayors this week, but I, I I'm hoping to have him in soon because there's a lot to talk about. Well, the again, Morad pay raise is a big one, but also the um the 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 vogue school admissions too. Yeah, so. yeah,
4: yeah. And uh, again, though, I think uh, the idea of tightening your belt and sharpening your pencil—that's uh, what you can do. And taxing the people in New Bedford that have the money to tax. Yes. Not the homeowner who's retired and who's living on a fixed income and just trying to live out their last days in their home, you know. Right. I, I see that happening here. And, uh, you know, uh, again, uh, Donald Trump uh, not being taxed and uh, the average Joe being taxed, yep. uh, even though you paid all the laws and everything, uh, that's not too good. I agree. And I, don't, I don't think New Bedford should go in that direction. I. But, uh, again, please don't take your eye off the ball. Uh, The the counselors that did speak were very uh, contrite. And uh, yeah. said they were trying to. They keep, should be keep everything open, and they did it, you know, including
1: Morad, who was well. She wasn't really contrite. She cried about the media and all of that well, stuff. Well, no, but
4: she 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 mentioned slightly the media, but then she said too that it was all done in the open, not under the you know the cover of darkness mm. or anything. Was all out there, and it was a good sure. thing you, you guys were on the ball to to be there and to report what you saw and let the rest of the citizens of the room know.
1: Well, well, to that point, we're going to have. Um, we're going to have Scott Lima on. He called me today. He wants to come on, uh, I think, within the next couple of weeks to, to talk about that uh, more completely as well. That's so what, five counselor? Yeah, Scott. Yeah, he yeah.
4: did make a statement to... He did to Adam. and all that sort of stuff. But I, I think... Uh, you know, both the mayor and the council is going to get the idea in their heads that, you know, uh, you want to pay this type of money, but you don't have the tax base to pay this type of money. Absolutely. With a $400 increase that I know that I got, and people, some people got more. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, you know, you, you can't get blood out of a, out of a rock, you know, that right. sort of thing. But, again, it was, to me, all you guys that, you know... Pointed the direction and everything. Your, your program and the, uh, the Buffett light uh, yeah. it, it helped a lot too. And uh, this wouldn't have happened unless that happened. And then again, you got your your late Christmas present when uh, Hero came on the uh, <laughs> on, on the show the other Still. night. and Said, "Hey, I'm going to uh, you know close the Ash Street Jail <laughs> just
1: so casually."
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was no. rather casually. <laughs> yeah, for a guy who said he didn't think the place was that bad. But, yeah. Uh, Again, I I like the the marquee idea of you level the place and you you put some homes that don't have to be big homes could be small cottages and yeah. everything you know and uh, give give the average Joe a chance to buy something and uh, feel like they get a ownership of the uh, of the city you know some sort of ownership and something that they can afford and contribute to uh, the city's coffers.
1: Absolutely. Hey, I got this long break. I got to take it, but I, I do appreciate the call. I my
4: friend. Take care. Thank you. All right, Bye bye.
1: Welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus. It's my show. It's Chris's show, too. Chris will be back later in the week. And tomorrow, John Robinson, Ward 3 City Council candidate. He's the last one we haven't interviewed yet. He's going to join us on Thursday. Uh, The preliminary special election is on uh, Tuesday. Uh, so less than a week from today, that will winnow the field down from seven candidates to two. So we're going to speak with Robinson. We're also going to do candidate Collins on Monday uh, as well to speak with all of the Ward 3 City Council candidates. So that was a good show tonight. Thanks to the rep, Chris Markey, for calling in. Thanks to all of you for joining me who called in, who messaged me on the app chat. And we're looking forward to continuing this conversation tomorrow and Friday. And Friday we have Anthony Amore on. He's going to give us the, uh, you know, the, the, the art fraud perspective on that um, gruesome